Did you know that Smarter Parenting offers coaching? And to begin coaching, we offer a free 15-minute session where we can discuss what needs you have with your child. When you sign up for coaching, I'll send you a questionnaire so we can maximize our time together. So go ahead, log into the Smarter Parenting website and sign up for coaching and receive your 15-minute free session. Welcome. This is episode 32. Smarter Parenting welcomes you to our podcast series, The Parenting Coach for ADHD. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Hello, everybody. Hi, friends. How are you doing? I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you've had a great day, and I hope you have great things planned for the next couple of days. I uh, am really happy actually, to be here and to talk about this next subject, which I think is super important for parents to understand or anybody working with children to understand in how children process information and how they learn. Um, Before I get started, though, I want to point out that I'm wearing a vest. And um, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, um, you don't know that I'm not wearing a vest. I usually actually wear a a suit coat. But today I I decided I will wear a vest, largely because uh, I like uh, vests. (laughs) Uh, it's kind of a odd thing, but um, I tend to run cold, and so I like things that are warmer. So usually I am usually cold, um, and that may be because of where I come from. I come from the Pacific Islands, which is warm and humid, and I live here in the Rocky Mountains, which is tends to be a, run a little bit colder. So anyways, I just wanted to brag about my, my blue vest because I don't wear it that much, but I... It's a special day, obviously. Um, But what I wanted to talk about today was about learning styles and the different learning styles that there are. And the reason that this is important is because your child has a very specific learning style that they probably leaned on or they, they tend to lean on when they're absorbing information and learning. And if a parent knows the learning style of their child, they actually are more effective in delivering Uh, instruction that a child will be able to grasp or concepts that a child can learn from uh, much easier than conflicting styles of learning. Now, there actually are a lot of different variations on learning styles. I'm focused on VARK, V-A-R-K, which in 1992 came from Fleming and Mills. And so um, the VARK actually is an acronym. And so we start with the V-A-R-K. V stands for the visual. A for oral or auditory. R is for read or write, which I know write starts with a W. I get it, but that's what they had put. So read and write for R. And then the K is kinesthetic. So I wanted to go through each of these and explain them a little bit and then talk about how a parent can integrate a teaching interaction or how they can uh, work with their child if they lean towards one. Now, parent will know more effectively than anyone else what learning style their child has, right? So let's start with visual. Now, this preference includes a depiction of information in maps, spider diagrams, charts, graphs, flow charts, label diagrams, and all the symbolic arrow circles and hierarchy. So things that are visual graphically, they learn that way. I am one of those people that if I see a picture, I can grasp a lot of information from that much easier than if somebody is trying to tell me or explain it to me. 
So whenever I do a presentation, when I am at a conference, uh, I tend to always have uh, slides because for me, that helps me give the presentation a lot more easily than if I just had notes, right? I depend largely on pictures. And in fact, when I was younger, I developed a system of, um, which is a mixture of the right and the visual, uh, where I would take notes, but I would draw little short pictures as representations. And that's what helped me uh, through school. So kind of an interesting thing. I, I should show it. They kind of look like hieroglyphic. Nobody can understand it but me because I created it for myself. But it was a way for me to engage in the content because that was largely uh, auditory and read and write. And those are my weaknesses. And so I had to find a way to make it work. So visual has to do with graphics and graphs and things that you can visually see to gather information and to help you know. Now, oral or auditory, this perceptual mode describes a preference for information that is heard or spoken. So learners who have this as their main preference report that they learn best from lectures, group discussions, from radio, from email, uh, from texting, from speaking with somebody else, web chats. I mean, those are the types of things that is, those are better um, auditory things that they hear, right? So read and write, which is the third part of VARC. So this preference is for information displayed as words. So not surprisingly, many teachers and students have a strong preference for this mode. Uh, being able to write well and read widely are attributes sought by employers of graduates, right? So this preference emphasizes text-based input and output, reading and writing in all its forms, but especially manuals, reports, essays, and assignments. People who prefer this modality are often addicted to PowerPoint. The internet, lists, diaries, dictionaries, thesauri, quotations, and words, words, words. Now that most PowerPoint presentations and the internet, Google, and Wikipedia are essentially suited to those with this preference, as there is seldom an auditory channel or presentation that uses visual symbols. So uh, I'm this. I'm visual and I am read-write. And you can be a mixture of these and figuring that out. But I do prefer the large PowerPoint. I prefer pictures. Uh, I prefer, you know, doing it that way. So kinesthetic. Now, by definition, this modality refers to the perceptual preference related to the use of experience and practice, simulated or real. Okay, that's the definition that they give. Although such an experience may invoke other modalities, the keys that people prefer this mode are connected to reality, either through concrete personal experiences, examples, practice, or simulation. That's from the explanation, but kinesthetic basically means movement, their ability to move and um, grasp uh, meaning from from being able to move and you'll find that actually with ADHD children movement is a big component of some of their behaviors especially with hyperactivity and so you can connect that with something else that they may have a proclivity towards so say that they uh, love something graphic then you would integrate something uh, with the with both of those components to help your child learn a concept right
So uh, you can have a mixture of the modalities. You can have the kinesthetic, which is movement. You can read, write. You can be a listener, a good listener, and and process information that way. Or you could be a visual person. Now, the example that I'm going to give you is my own example. I'm a visual person. I've always been a very visual person. And I'm also a read-write person. So when somebody's giving a lecture, I have a very hard time paying attention to what it is that they're talking about unless they have big pictures and they are able to, you know, show me a little bit more than just a verbal. Um, If somebody is just talking to me, I have learned some skills in order to pay attention to that. Uh, so I can have relationships with people because that is a big part. Not everybody's going to be walking around with a PowerPoint, right, for everything that they do. And so a lot of communication with friends and with family is done auditorily. And so in order for me to maintain relationships, I had to learn skills that help me keep focus. I'm going to tell you one of those. When I am talking to somebody, like for lunch, let's say we go to lunch and we're in a room and it's really noisy, I tend to focus directly on the bridge in between their eyebrows, that bridge area. I tend to look at it and then focus on that. And then as they speak, I pay very close attention to, I imagine that sometimes those words, if I'm having a hard time paying attention, uh, that those words are actually floating up to that bridge and are sticking there and they just kind of pop up there and then pop like a like a bubble and um that that requires a lot of mental concentration and energy on my part and i know it sounds really hokey and weird uh but at the same time it's just a way that i've learned to pay attention to somebody because the way it worked before is if somebody was talking to me and we were having lunch together my mind would drift and i would be focused on the sandwich i would be focused on the noise over there and i'd focus over there then i'd come back and i'd be like okay wait what what are we talking about and it would be distracting and so i use that technique in order to keep me focused on what's most important because my mind tends to wander in a lot of different directions. Now, that's not right for everybody. What I'm saying is I've learned to develop some of these skills over time. Now, I, I, I knew early on that I was a visual person. I knew that early on. I loved art to draw and I, you know, to explain myself, it was always with a picture. Um, in my early journals, you will see as a child, I drew pictures. That's what I drew. So the visual, the kinesthetic, which is the movement of actually drawing the pictures, was important for me. And then the read uh, and the the read write, um, I started to incorporate that. The, there is an art piece that I did create while I was in college, and it's actually I, probably my, one of my favorite things I've ever done. Is I created this mosaic of letters. And um, it was pretty much representative of my inability to focus during college in the courses that I had. Um, but it represent it had a visual piece to it, and then it had a read-write piece to it. And it just was very representative of me. Um, so what I did, uh, as I had mentioned before, is I created this way to um, visually see words... Um, when I am receiving a lecture from somebody, when somebody's communicating with me, 
as far as the lecture goes and if it's just words i know i have to adjust and find ways that i can focus on those things and as time has continued it's been a lot easier to do so i'm you know i'm super grateful for that um anyways so for your child what you should do is evaluate what is their learning style are they visual are they kinesthetic? Do they need to move? And with the kinesthetic piece is really great because you can actually be walking and that is enough movement that while you're talking, they can, they can focus. Now, for parents, what you need to do is evaluate what is the learning style of your child? Is it kinesthetic? Is it visual? Is it auditory? Um, and when you are able to determine what it is or what the preference is, you can actually start to teach using that approach, right? Um, so take, for example, if your child is kinesthetic, which is movement, um, a lot of times it's important for them to be doing some type of movement while you're communicating with them. And the movement itself, if it's something that's reassuring and calming, will help them focus a lot better. Uh, what you can also do is during your communication, taking a walk together and talking about things is more effective than actually sitting down with them and just lecturing them or just making eye contact and talking that way, right? Um, there's this certain ability that uh, children are able to grasp uh, more information if they are comfortable in the style that the information is being given. We're all that way, right? Some things work better for us than others. For adults, I mean, I want you to think back at somebody who's communicated to you in a style that is not your preference. And maybe you haven't thought about it, but everyone has a preference in the way that they like to receive information. When somebody is giving information in a way that's not com uh, really your natural style of receiving information, it can actually be very uncomfortable for you. And so what you want to do is create this environment where you are communicating with your child in a way that is comfortable for them and for you so you can relay the information and they can absorb it in an effective way. So um, what I would recommend is parents take a step back and evaluate how is my child absorbing the world around them? Is it kinesthetic? Do they have to be moving all the time? Are they able to just auditorily listen to something and grasp it? Is that where the focus is? Uh, is it with graphics? Is it, you know, visual? Is it, does it have to be a visual thing? Um, and then you can combine if there are multiple levels or multiple ways that they learn uh, different learning styles, then you can combine ways to do that. For a visual, uh, what I have recommended for parents who have children that are highly visual is that, for example, in cleaning their room, instead of having a checklist of things that they need to do, is actually taking pictures of what a clean room looks like and posting that on the chore chart. And that way, the child is just looking at the picture and saying, okay, I have to copy what it looks like here, here. And that actually is better than writing down, pick up toys, pick up laundry, make a bed. No, right? For a visual person, it's like, okay, what looks right? Okay, does this look right? And it's feeding off of that learning style to help them learn better. So that's that's a technique that I've used with parents in the past. Sometimes it's better, uh, especially with younger children, to use pictures rather than letters. Sometimes in the verbal conversations, you know, and a lot of parents like to lecture and, t and try and convince their child that things need to be a certain way. Um, if you can pair, if you can 
use their learning style in the way that you present the information, then that can be super helpful. If they are uh, somebody who likes to read and um, write, then maybe writing it out in a contract very specifically for them so they can go through and outline it and they can highlight it and they can you know mark it up the way that they need to mark it up in order for them to grasp the information that you're trying trying to share. So those are some suggestions that I, I would recommend that you actually hop over to the Smarter Parenting website. There is a skill there called Effective Consequences, which is super helpful for uh, parents to you know, establish a, a system in the home where they can have consequences for the behaviors that they need to and make corrections. Um, but paired with this knowledge of how you can present this information, it would be very effective uh, for a child who struggles with ADHD in helping them understand the consequences of their behaviors and how to improve those behaviors. All right. Um, now, Smarter Parenting is offering coaching, and I want to throw that in there. So if you are in need of a coach and you want us to coach you through an issue that you're struggling with with your child who has ADHD, please jump over to the Smarter Parenting website, log in, um, there is a form there that you can fill out, and uh, what will happen is you will fill out a form that will give us some background into what we're looking at and trying to address before we actually have the coaching session. So we're actually focused in on what it is that you need. And then from there, we can set up a time. We would do a Zoom call, or we could talk over the phone, and we could discuss what it is that uh, you would need help with. And I actually am excited about that part because, you know, sharing information this way is fantastic. I love it. But being able to be very specific to a very specific child and issue is even more powerful. And that's something that I definitely want to address with parents who may need it. So that's it from me. I hope everybody's doing well. And I hope you have a great day. And I will see you again next time. So until then, catch you later. Bye. Thank you.